Hello and welcome to the Afrocentric Lesson Plan. This is Nas here. Welcome back, everyone. I am so delighted to have the Afrocentric Lesson Plan back on the air for everyone. And our focus now is we're talking to dope black and non-black POC to find out what are some of the dope things that they are doing in education by way to further race equity and justice for our students. Now, who do I define as an educator? I don't think an educator is just a person that stands in front of a class or a person that goes to a schoolhouse and works the formal school day setting. I think an educator is anyone out here doing the work to further access an educational um, justice for our students. So, in that sense, you're going to hear a wide array of guests that I will be bringing on to interview to figure out what they're doing and how we can all incorporate their practices into our practices and make it to where little black and brown children are being educated to the best of our abilities. Now, my guest I have on today is a wonderful, wonderful person, a very, very good friend of mine. She is excellent. She is amazing. She has pushed me beyond what I thought my um, boundaries were in social justice. <laughs> so, Kathy, introduce yourself to hey. the people. Hey, what's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? How y'all doing? How y'all living? How you feeling? So, Kat, tell the people a little bit about what you do in education. Or what um, you have done. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so, hi, my name is Kat. Um, I am a theater artist. I'm a blogger. I'm a yogi. Um in education. I'm really passionate about mentorship. Um, I've been a teaching artist, teaching theater and various types of arts for about probably like six-ish years, maybe more, maybe less. Um, I've really, really been passionate about working with black and brown children and devising work and ritual work and um, creating their own artwork and making sure that their voices are really heard. Um, I've worked in the classroom, out of the classroom. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my my background, my backstory and, in terms of education. And Kat, Kat, for my clarifications, what are your pronouns? What pronouns do you go by? Yes, thank you. Um, I actually have a preference for they, them, theirs, but I also totally accept and affirm she, her, hers. All right. So I I, I identify as a non-binary sex. Cool. Which I think is a little bit, uh, yeah, it's a little new in terms of like how people um, see women-bodied people. And uh, yeah, there we go. It's dope, and I apologize from the beginning when I call you um, her and she. I was using no, 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 because I do accept those, so it's totally cool. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Uh-huh. Want to make sure I was respecting yeah. your identity and agency. Come on, identity and agency. Um, yes, God. So, as a friend of mine, you have really, really informed how I go about my social justice work. And mm. how I go about teaching. And I, I'm not sure. I don't even know if I've told you this. 
but you have pushed me to be uncomfortable. Mm. <laughs> I've gotten that um, recently. I was on the phone with a friend last night, and they were like, you know, I've I stayed friends with you, and I've stayed friends with you for longer than six years because you make me uncomfortable. And I was like, uh, I don't know if this is a good thing. I was like, are you <laughs> congratulating me? Are you like, what? Uh, dag, um, all right, I make people uncomfortable. Well, no, 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 let me, let me explain, let me explain. One, you are a delight to be around, absolutely, like, your light is just so bright, so I love being around you, but by making me uncomfortable, I mean, there was a conversation, my God, this conversation probably took place two, three years ago now, at this point. Oh, my God. (laughs) We've been knowing each other for a while. I think it was our first really real fight like big fight they probably like our only like big fight that's true i was like wait we had a fight <laughs> that we've ever like gotten into it was a discussion mm-hmm. on i, I want to say it was around like black feminism oh my god yes i do remember this yes i want to say it was around black feminism and tyler yeah. the creator had yeah. something to do with it um yeah it was wild yes. it was wild but i did what i did what nice like liberal people are supposed to do i apologize mm, mm-hmm. and then i moved on but i didn't really sit and reconcile with the damage that i had mm. inflicted to the community that we were a part of at the time mm. and you would not let me move you said no you're going to sit here and you're mm. going to really reconcile and and see and really sit in what you did Mm. to truly learn from it and to move forward. And that mm. made me uncomfortable. <laughs> mm. That mm. made me uncomfortable mm. and that made me say, okay, then, you know, I, I should be uncomfortable when I'm talking about issues of black feminism as a male body person. Um, mm. I should be uncomfortable when I talk about these issues, issues affecting trans women and trans women of color particularly, that should make me uncomfortable. I should sit in that uncomfortability and I should act on it. I should do something mm-hmm. that is really substantial, not just something that is a, my self-congratulatory pat on the back for, mm-hmm. for helping these poor people out. Now, I say mm-hmm. that to say I challenge myself in that same way with education. Mm-hmm. I challenge myself in that same way with education. Like, what am I doing um, to really address the privilege I bring into this space? Um, Mm. Even though I'm a black man, I'm a black man that's highly educated. I'm a black man that has resources now. I'm a black man that don't live and walk in the spaces that they live and walk in. My students. So now, Mm. Mm -hmm. how do I sit with that privilege? How do I dismantle that privilege? How do I um, become uncomfortable in my activism? Mm. What'd you think? Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's a lot that you just threw at me. Oh. Um, <laughs> All right, Kat. So, what do you think about this subject? Damn. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. Um, you're like definitely challenging my ability to uh to juggle multiple um spheres of thought at the same time. All right. Um. So the question that I'm under that I'm hearing is what do I think about how we address uh, privilege in spaces of children of color as we're teaching? Is that like the the basis of the question that you're 
Yeah, we can start there. You're saddling me with. We can right, start there. Cool. Um. Yeah. Ooh. Hmm. I think okay. As a uh, higher educated, I don't even know if that came out correctly, but y'all know what I mean. Like as a person who has a, a graduate, de- not a graduate degree, but like a degree from a higher education school, um, I am walking into the space as a person of privilege. But I also can't forget where I come from, um, which is a urban lower class background. Um, but still having access at the same time. And I think that um, walking into those spaces with children of color as a person who has, uh, and I say this in quotations, made it, I think it's important to realize that you are a beacon of light for these uh, children, especially for black and brown children in these spaces that you're going to teach in, whether you're teaching in a um, higher education sphere, like whether you're teaching in a private school or you're teaching in a public school, like you still are the one that made it, right? So they're looking Mm -hmm. up to you. Um, And I think that uh, it's important to just bring with you your truth, like whatever your truth is, um, that these children can relate to because we all in a way relate to whatever your truth is because authenticity is real mm-hmm. and is important and is attractive if, if anything else. Um, so I think the first thing for me personally, when I'm going into a classroom is to bring with me my authenticity. Um, I think the second thing that I bring with me into the room is my love for my work is my love for myself and is my love for these children. I am particularly passionate about young black and brown children. Um, so when I walk into that room, no matter if I've met them before, if I haven't, I'm automatically um, drawn in by them because I love them, just because they exist. Um, so I think it's important to bring that into the room as well. Um, I also think that it's important to, like, reckon with our trauma mm. being like uh, and I'm going to say like being of a person of privilege because I have been to predominantly white institutions um, the trauma in that is real right in those spaces of predominantly white institutions we're really taught to hate ourselves mm-hmm. um, we're taught to think of these black children like there's something wrong with them and we need to save them Ain't shit wrong with these babies. They're mm-hmm. perfectly fucking... In, in fact, they're more intact than we are. Um, and I think reckoning with the privilege of that, right? Like, we are privileged in that we were sent to predominantly white institutions, if you want to call it privilege. Um, we could say we were traumatized mm-hmm. in those white institutions. Um, and so being able, I think, to reckon with that for myself and like what I've been taught in terms of like what I've internalized. Um, so that say, for instance, if something happens where the children aren't paying attention, instead of being like, Oh, these little Negroes aren't paying attention. I'm more likely to be like, you know what? They're just rambunctious. And maybe we just need to play a theater game real quick. Um, but being able to like recognize that within myself, and like check myself of, in terms of what I've internalized. Um, mm-hmm. from predominantly white spaces. Um, 
I don't know if that answers your question entirely, but that's like, I think what like in terms of the like five things that I bring into the room with me, that's like what I bring into the room with me immediately. Day so, one. So in your work, what? How do you ex? How do you navigate whiteness in that? A white educator or administrator could hear you say that and say, "Oh well, that's racist." She she just said she cared for black kids and she's drawn to black and brown students. That's racist and that's not right. How do you address that? Frankly, I don't care. Um, <laughs> but uh, well, <laughs> I, I I totally hear you. I totally hear you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I think I've I've gotten to a place in my development and in my career where I really am um, working for white people in a very sparing sense. So, like, um, you know, I'm an artist and I have a day job, and, like, yeah, sure, I'm working for white people there, but that's completely different, really, from an education sphere. I work in a museum, so, I mean, it is education, but, like, it's different. Um so I think that when I'm doing my freelance uh, teaching artist work, I really am my own boss. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think the older I get, the less tolerance I have for white people's bullshit and the less I really care about offending them. Mm-hmm. Um And I think that only happens because I'm a freelance artist and I'm allowed that space, right? Like, um, I'm not going to, like, you know, say my whole life because I don't, you know, want the company to be like, hey. But, um, yeah, I do work for a few, like, separate companies. And, like, they are run by predominantly white folks. But those white folks send me out to brown schools knowing my agenda, like, no, like hire, having hired me for a reason, right? Having hired me because they actually saw my blackness and was like, this is what we need. Um, and saw my indigeneity and was like, this is what we need. So, um, the schools that they're sending me to are predominantly black schools. And so there isn't really a white teacher to say, oh, that's racist. Mm. Um, so I think that I have a very different story in that being a freelance artist allows me that freedom to not really give a fuck about what white people want to uh, saddle me with in terms of their ideas of racism and race. Mm-hmm. Not that it doesn't affect me, right? I'm not going to say that, that I don't engage with it. I do. But it's just that I engage with it on an interpersonal level rather than as um a classroom level of, like, in my classroom. And also, I'm only in the classroom for, like, an hour or two. Yeah. If I'm in the classroom. Um, If I'm, like, doing mentoring work, if I'm doing, um, like, vocal lessons, you know, those are not at all involving a classroom. Those are, like, in my apartment or um, if I'm, like, doing, like, monologue work that's, like, in the park or in a studio. So, like, it it doesn't really uh, filter white people like that but in the event that that does happen I am like um let's sit down and talk about it and I think because I'm a light-skinned black woman um or woman-bodied person white people are more likely to and I have a brown university degree white people are more likely to sit down with me and be like yes I'm feeling this way and I'm like right so uh let's engage with that and say that that's your issue and not actually my issue um, Ooh, and I'm very unapologetic when it comes to, 
I'm really unapologetic when it comes to those types of things. I don't really tend to, um, in the moment, internalize white people's trauma and say, and by trauma, I'm, like, putting that in quotations, um, and say, like, yeah, let me... Let me talk about your trauma of how you're feeling because you feel discriminated against. Like I'm like, look, if you feel a way, that's nine times out of ten your problem, mm. and it actually doesn't have anything to do with me. And if you need to work that shit out for yourself, I suggest that you go take time with your therapist that you have access to because you have healthcare, mm. um, to go work that shit out. <laughs> and um, I will not catch you on the flip side. Um. So that's kind of just like been, and I've been able to do that because I've been freelance for two years, um, slash possibly even more. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it did. It did. Thank you so much for that. That was very generous of you, um, to offer that to the space. Now I want to know what drives you, like what motivated you to even do teaching artists work? How did you Mm -hmm. get into that? Mm-hmm. Um, well, in high school, um, I was a dancer, um, and we were kind of required to work with the younger kids, and I've always just had a real love for babies. Um, I helped my cousin raise her two twin daughters, and, um, and I was 11 when they were born, so I was still, like, little and forming, but, um... I've just always loved black and brown children. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know that there's like a rhyme or reason to what I uh, have loved about them. I've just always loved them. Um, and especially young uh, femme and feminine um, bodied folk slash girl folk, women folk, whatever the correct term would be. Um, and... I started to do a lot of volunteer work in high school, and then I went to college, and I actually didn't do that much work with young people. I kind of just uh, worked with people who were younger than me, so not necessarily, like, young people, but people who were younger than me Um, in kind of a mentorship role. I've always kind of been given a mentorship role, regardless in, like, what kind of art space I facilitated, and then... After graduating from college, I did a internship, an education internship at Trinity Repertory Company um, with mostly white kids, and I realized then that I was like, oh, they're dope, but this is not who I want to work with. And so I really did gravitate toward the black and brown children that were there, and I still talk to many of them. I still mentor many of them. Some of them are about to enter high school. Some of them are, like, uh, preparing to just, like, be in the high school setting. Mm-hmm. Um so that's always been fun. Um, and then after leaving that internship, I continued to just, like, really be gravitated toward young black and brown people um, and just the work that we do um, and the generations behind me are doing. And I'm still very, very much involved in the twins' lives, my cousins, um, my cousins' lives. They're 15 now, and, um, and I realize that everything that I do, they look up to. And so it's made me be very intentional about the spaces that I operate in. Um, But also, yeah, like just the work that I uh, want to do. I've done things from 
um, helping children get into college from like uh, reading their essays and um, working through where they'd like to go to school. And I would call it like a pre-college mentorship to um, post-college mentorship to um, high school mentorship to arts work to like just a lot of uh, different things with young folks and that work just so happens to be with black and brown children because that's who I want to work with. All right. Before we end, my last question for you is what do you think is the greatest social justice issue facing young kids today? Young kids of color, black and brown kids, black kids. Oh God. Oh God. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know that there, that I can say that this is the greatest. Um, I can say some that I'm really passionate about. Um, I'm really passionate about uh, sexual assault and young people being able to talk about their experiences, but also preventative measures, preventative work. Um as a person who was sexually assaulted at a really young age, I'm just really passionate about that for young black and brown folks who may be experiencing the same thing and, and don't have the language to speak on it. Um, I'm really passionate about education, whether that comes in the form of a predominantly white institution education or uh, just reading a lot of books. Like, However it is that um, your learning style is, I want you to have the best chance at um, learning. Um, I'm really passionate about young people creating artwork and their work speaking. Um, I'm really passionate about queer folk and uh, being able to identify your queerness, but also to just, like, live in your queerness, like, not having to pick a label, not having to um, feel so discriminated against. Um, I guess, like, those are, yeah, those are, like, the things that I talk with young people about currently that really um, lights a fire under my butt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, thank you so much, Kat for agreeing to come on my little podcast and have this conversation with me. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you so very, very much. You are amazing in every way. Um, So are you. I can't believe we've, like, reached 45 minutes already. That was, like, nothing. Um, No, no, we haven't reached 45 minutes. We've reached 24 minutes at this point. Oh, okay. I was like, that was quick. Oh, no, 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 no. I only wanted it to go at most 45 minutes. Um, so I'm actually going to head into my closing poem. All right. Kat is absolutely amazing, and I'm so lucky to have her as a friend, and I'm so glad that she could do this interview with me. So for my last segment, I decided to write a poem. This poem to my unborn child. Dear my unborn child, you are already the most beautiful creature 
Allah has ever created. I love you so much I'm already planning for you. Your black life matters. I will tell you this every night after your bedtime story and kiss on the forehead. You are a perfectly created human. I will remind you not to dim your light in the face of hatred. You're a black Muslim. We are fighters. The unborn child. When they come for you, like I know they will. When they try to convince you that you are not as special as daddy has told you, I want you to fight. You're a black life man. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Afrocentric Lesson Plan. I am Nas, and I will talk to you all soon. Peace.